Well, good morning. Someone just say, wow. This place is... Mm. Anybody else blessed by what the Lord's doing this morning? I love it. I travel a lot, and I love the verse, Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I love tasting his goodness wherever I go. Because there's always a... Yeah, there's... There's always different vintages of the new wine. Mm. This is a good vintage. Mm. It's pretty powerful, too. Pretty powerful. And it's fun when someone from the outside comes in and tastes and says, hmm, this is what's unique about you. I mean, there, I, I taste passion. Mm. I taste surrender I taste big vision I, I taste we can do this we can do this just say we can do this mm. I taste uh, healthy relationships and the ability to create healthy relationships I, I, I taste big vision I taste overcoming and it's, uh, it's just an honor to be here. Thank you. And we say to Ben and Kara, I kind of like those guys. <laughs> kind of like those guys. I mean, they're just, uh, I, I love their leadership, their family, who they are, and just uh, so thankful that they're a part of our Bethel Leaders Network. I'm on staff at Bethel Church in Redding, California. And we got some Bethel Leader Network people. Can you give a wave if you're in the house? Yep, just, uh, yes, visiting this morning. That's the part of Bethel I work at, uh, work through, and that's the part where leaders, especially church leaders, who say, I want more. I want to be connected. I believe this, where they say, I believe this is my family. They, they do that through the Bethel Leaders Network. Do we have any alumni from Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry here? We do, right here? Yay, yeah. Oh, I recognize you now, yes. And we have a, a ministry school that, I mean, just normal years, we've, the last few years we had about 2,500. This last year wasn't quite as many, but we have three years of where people come from around the world. I have three students uh, here, third-year students. They're not really students, in my opinion. Why don't you guys stand and just welcome them. We've got Charlotte. we got Robert. And then we have Renee. Yep, they've been serving so well this weekend. Those of you who have been here, uh, you understand that. Charlotte got a great word already. I thought we were supposed to minister. <laughs> but that's how it always works. And we, we have an, their international. I got uh, Charlotte, Hong Kong, Robert, UK, Renee, originally from El Salvador. And, and so just like you, we're, we're a church that's called to raise people up and send them out, uh, equip them. And so um, Renee, who is bilingual, who speaks Spanish, she's going to be activated in the second service. And then, yes, that's going to be powerful. And then Robert and Charlotte will help me at the end today and just 
just released some things over you. They've been praying over you, and they're going to report to you what they've heard. Anybody excited about that? Yes, I like it when people are praying over me. And not only asking God to do things or praying for things to happen, but also what are you saying? What are you saying? How many of you know one word from God can change our lives? And I'm believing that's going to happen today. So why don't you just repeat this after me. Say, say God brought me here this morning because he believes in me more than I believe in myself. He's preparing me for something bigger than I know. Something's happening in me this morning. It's supernatural. It's going to increase. And I'll never be the same again. Just uh, as I was praying for you, I, I heard a few different things. I heard the words youth revival. This is a, this is a church and, and this is a region of youth revival. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. We can look at what's going on culturally, and we can say, wow, sin's abounding. But I want to say this. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. In the very area where sin seems to be winning the victory. Uh, I was also hearing that um, the men of this church, that the Lord has got powerful warrior men. And, and that this is a house that raises up men and, and I, I saw an anointing on this house to cause men to fight for their families, to fight for their cities, to fight for the next generation. There's a grace that's actually on you and, and in this season to start fighting. You're going to find something happening in you where you're going to, there's going to be some things you're going to say, enough is enough. And there's other things you're just going to find whole new spiritual weapons to activate. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, it says, the weapons, say weapons, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. And, and, and the Lord's going to reveal this just to the men of this church in a, even in a greater way, and everybody within the sound of my voice, some weapons that maybe you haven't even seen before. Or he's going to give you a revelation on weapons that you know about, but you're going to get new angles of how to release those weapons to pull down strongholds in, in, in our own thinking, in our families, in, in, our, in our nation, in our region. And I was hearing over the Bloom group. There's a Bloom group here. Yeah, I, just, I just saw that, yeah. And just when I, when, I, when I saw the Bloom group, just my... my I, I was hearing this, that new people are coming. It's going to be, it's, gonna, it's a magnet for, for women to come that's going to uh, be, there, there's like a new grace and a new anointing on bloom. The Lord's already done good things, but there's a new grace on it. And, and where there's, there's going to be even a, a greater presence of the Holy Spirit manifesting. I remember when I, I was a senior pastor for 17 years, and uh, seven of the years were in a place called Weaverville, California, an hour west of Redding in Northern California. And 
on a Sunday morning, a woman who had been on a two-week drug binge came into the service. Someone invited her to church. And she, in the service, nobody prayed for her, and she got instantly delivered. And she comes up to me a year later. I'm not really aware of what, what had happened. She comes up to me a year later, and she says, Steve, I was in your service a year ago. I, I came in, and, and I got instantly delivered. I had no withdrawals. And here's my AA clean and sober coin. Someone say, wow, wow. And she, she later came up to me and said, a few years later, she was going to Simpson University, a Christian college in Reading, to become a Christian counselor. And I was hearing even over Bloom, but this is also for people who are leading any group, any ministry, that the, the spiritual water level is rising. And people are going to come into your meetings. <laughs> and I'm not against praying for people. I believe in praying for people. But there's the whole presence of what you're cultivating is going to cause transformation. Just say, I believe that. I got a message I want to share, but I wanted to do something else. I felt like... Um, I wanted to just talk about shame and break off shame today in the first thing. I mean, Jesus took our shame on the cross. I mean, the cross is a great exchange. I mean, he, he took a lot of things on the cross. <laughs> he took our death. He took all our curses. He took our rejection. Uh, he took our sickness. He took our poverty. Uh, he took our punishment, all of that. But he also took our shame. Every aspect of the cross has purpose. He, he, was, he was crucified naked. He was, shame, he was in a shameful state in one sense. And, um, and shame is, you know, it's, I do a, a weekly podcast and a weekly blog. on Our ministry is Igniting Hope Ministries. And you can find us at ignitinghope.com. And one of them I did a while back was defeating unsuspected sources of shame. Now, shame is a painful feeling. Here's the, here's the definition of shame. Shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress, distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. It is a wound to our soul that, if not healed, will cause us to feel unworthy to be blessed and unworthy or cause us to believe we're not significant. That's what shame does. And obviously, there's, there's big things, big choices in life that can create shame. I, I don't care what you've done. Uh, by the way, Jesus took your shame. He took that. But, but here's some, I, I, there, there, there's some areas of shame, and these are things that I've experienced in my life um, they're, they're not major humiliations or dis, distress, but, but seemingly smaller areas that tell me I'm not worthy to be radically blessed. And here's some of them. That, that common sources of shame that cause us to feel less than, embarrassed, and unworthy. Number one is what we call appearance shame. Ha ha. 
appearance shame. Almost everyone has things about their appearance they do not like. Let's laugh at that. <laughs> this is appearance shame. This is a... As we compare ourselves to airbrushed models, we all come up short. <laughs> Number two is family situation shame. Family situation shame. <laughs> this is another area where few do not have potential shame-inducing situations. Whether it is singleness, divorce, addictions, um, being childless, abuse, adult children not following Jesus, or other dysfunctions, family dynamics can be a shame producer. Number three, life accomplishment shame. As people get older, many battle shame for not having done more with their lives. Four, education shame. Numerous people feel bad by not going further in school and feel less than those with greater education. Number five, vocation shame. Society esteems some vocations highly while it also labels others as lesser jobs to have. Vocation shame. Spiritual gifts shame. <laughs> Spiritual gifts shame. The church tends to exalt those with public ministry gifts or who have a great anointing to see dramatic things happen. Those called into such things as administration, pastoring, and functioning in the gifts of help can feel inferior for not doing spectacular things. By the way, all these shames are, the Lord's just breaking them off us today. Something's happening today. Because what, what I'm hearing is that you're, God's not only going to free you up, but you're going to free other people from shame. Number seven is the embarrassing things we have done shame. <laughs> Woo, anybody done anything stupid? Oh, yeah. Oh, sometimes I just think back, you know, just, you ever just think back and just, that feeling? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't want to think. <laughs> embarrassing things we have done. Oh. We've all done stupid things. Whether it's, tripping in front of a group of people let's laugh at that <laughs> saying something dumb <laughs> number eight is possession shame examples of this is our car our house the clothes we wear jewelry furniture phones or gadgets we have types of vacations we take uh, it's possession shame because we, we're not, we're, we're just embarrassed about it, or we feel embarrassed about it. And, and then number nine is Christian commitment and good work shame. Many walk in shame because they do not believe they are committed to God enough or not doing enough good works. 
Shame, condemnation, and guilt are not God's instruments to bring someone to him or closer to him. And what, what can we do about the low-grade sources of shame? Number one is cultivate thanksgiving for what you have. Most people in the world would like to be you. Most people in the world would gladly trade places with you. Number two is recognize everyone has to overcome some level of shame. Everybody. Everybody in the room has to overcome some level of shame, some feeling less than, some feeling embarrassed about something. And then know Jesus took your shame on the cross. See shame moments as opportunities for growth in your life. When you feel that thing, Yep, you feel, oh, yeah, my house or my car or my looks. You know, you, you get, you know, compare. That is a great growth opportunity. That moment, woo, yes, amen, I got resistance in the spirit realm. You only get muscle by pushing against resistance. I got something. I'm feeling that thing again. Woo-hoo, that's exciting. This is exciting. It's accept- because here, here's how God makes great leaders. And I shared this this weekend. God makes great leaders by making them successful on the inside when they don't look successful on the outside. That's how he makes great leaders. And we cel- celebrate other people who, ha- who seemingly have it better than us. Celebrate them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Because that's part of the journey is we're not trying to pull people down to our level. We're trying to lift people up. And then understand everyone has issues and you have something to offer every person. You've got something to offer every person. And and, and just to start to believe that. And then when we get around people who seem... The enemy wants to say, they're better than you. I like to laugh at things. Let's laugh at that. Ha <laughs> ha. They're not better than you. They're not better than you. The, the only reason, the only thing that could stop us is, is, is believing we're inferior. And, and so I, I speak freedom over you. Whew, someone say Freedom. And the Lord is, is releasing people from shame. And, and, and God is, it's kind of like a secret doorway. If you go after it, it's kind of like a secret doorway to growing up, to influence. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, I think that, that whole thing was just a great word for you. I remember just, um, I've done a lot of things that, like I shared over the weekend, that I've never, ever heard any other Christian do. I'm a, I'm a spiritual experimenter. And, and I remember uh, when my daughter, Heidi, she's, she's in her 30s now. I remember she was about five, and I remember she was watching the show Winnie the Pooh. 
I hadn't watched Winnie the Pooh much. <laughs> and then I saw this bouncing tiger. Yep, Tigger. And I felt like the Lord said, Steve, welcome to one of your new mentors. Welcome to one of your new mentors. He's going to be fathering you. <laughs> and I saw a verse in Luke 6, things about verse 23 or so, where right before that it says, if they cast your name out as evil and, and men hate you, it says rejoice in that day. And leap for joy. Now, the, the whole joy message, my, my, it says rejoice in that day. Basically, it's saying that the goal of, of our joy life, by the way, is to rejoice in the day it happens. I mean, that, that certainly hasn't been my story. I'll share a little bit more of my story in a moment. I mean, if something would happen, and, and I'm not saying I even... I, Maybe two weeks later, I said, oh, yeah, I, I, mean, I actually need to thank, just start thanking the Lord for his goodness. I need to start rejoicing. So it wasn't in the day. It was about two weeks later. But at least I rejoiced. And so my goal is to close the gap. Something happens, whoo, because I celebrate progress, not perfection. Something happens I don't like. Yep, hey, it only took me two days. I'm growing. I'm changing. But it also says rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Now, sometimes I just look in the Bible, I say, that's, what is that? What is that? I, I had a fun time with this, I mean, this kind of mosh pit area. I mean, you know, the, I mean, the worshipers, man, I, I, I just wanted to get right in the middle of those leapers. I mean, because they had the Tigger anointing. I mean, they, that, that group was Tigger-esque. <laughs> it's one thing to leap in church, and I think it's great to, to just cut loose. I mean, if I can do it, a, a Scandinavian white guy. <laughs> Part of the frozen chosen. <laughs> we don't do emotion. <laughs> We're self-contained and self-controlled. <laughs> <laughs> Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Now, again, the context is if men uh, hate you, cast your name out as evil, uh, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. I mean, the context of that, you don't, you're not going to feel like leaping. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would just be, you know, happy just to get one hallelujah out. I just want to praise the Lord, man. I'd say, I'm spiritual. But I remember God would have me do things when the cloud, the, the spirit of heaviness would come on, would want to come on me. 
know what the spirit of heaviness is? That's just that. It's kind of like shame, but it's kind of, it's bigger. It's just that. <laughs> it's the spirit of heaviness. You know, I'm heavy and I, I'm, I'm under it. Deuteronomy 28 says, we're the head, not the tail. We're above, not beneath. When you got the spirit of heaviness, you're beneath. You're beneath it. You're, you're the, whatever it is looks bigger than God. Whatever it is looks bigger than who you are. Heaviness. Mm-hmm. By the way, the Lord is uh, breaking the spirit of heaviness off people today. Heaviness. And... I mean, so I, I had so many areas where the spirit of heaviness, every time my wife, Wendy, and I would do our finances together. <laughs> yep, let's laugh at that. <laughs> heaviness would come on us. The spirit of heaviness. We would look at each other with a heavy spirit. You know, when you got a heavy spirit, you need to be careful what you say. Because what feels true is not true, even though it feels true. Those are crucial moments in your processing to just say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cautious in how much I process. Because if we just process everything we're feeling, we're going to hurt people. And we're going to speak things out into the atmosphere. We're going to curse ourselves and other things. And I remember the Lord said, he said, Steve, here's what I want you to do when you feel that spirit of heaviness. I want you to go in your prayer closet, and I actually want you to leap. Woo-hoo! Yes! And you know what? I, I, the Tigger, and I, I, this whole Tigger anointing thing <laughs> is the, the language that I use is... is and it's kind of like I say, the Tigger anointing mantra is I see problems as opportunities to see how big my God is. I see problems as opportunities to see how big my God is. And, and so, I mean, I just, whew, Lord, I can't wait to see what you're going to do in our finances. And, and, and it, was, it was a season of training. And by the way, you're in a season of training. I mean, I was just trying to believe for a couple hundred dollars. The Lord says, Steve, you're in training to believe for millions. This is, this is, this is it. And, and so just the whole getting passionate, whole getting some fire, the whole, this is a church of fire. Someone say fire. And, and and there's times where we, we, we've just got to do something where we, we, we've got to, when this spirit of heaviness comes on us, where we, we've got to go after it. I remember I used to just always get discouraged in church. You know, people weren't showing up and I, you know, low offerings. Let's laugh at that. Uh, things didn't seem to be happening. And, uh, and that, that thing would come on me. That bleh, the spirit of heaviness. And he says, Steve, I want you, when you feel the discouragement to come on you, I want you to get excited. Because this moment is more important than if you get slain in the Holy Spirit, someone praying for you. And this is a key. This is a key for people who are, because you, you're going to the next level. Just say, I'm going to the next level. 
Some of you may be here with the sound of my voice. You don't even know Jesus, and you're, you're, a, you're a seeker. But I want to tell you, you're going to get born again, and you're going to do things you never thought you would do. There's others within the sound of my voice who feel stuck, feel stuck. And I want to tell you, you're going to get unstuck. We get spiritual muscle by pushing against resistance. It's what we do. So thank you, Father. Thanks for just even, even in this moment, just releasing your grace. And Let me just, um, you guys received that, by the way? Yeah, there's, some, there's something in that that some of you that go beyond what the words I said. There's something in that. There's a spirit connected to that that many of you are going to get that's going to unlock something. It's going to unlock something. Let me just share uh, just a little bit of my story in the last few minutes. And we, um, I grew up north coast of California. I did not know Jesus as a boy. Graduated high school and became basically a hippie. I had hair. <laughs> I was seeking and searching with my hippie girlfriend, Wendy, who's now my wife, doing things hippies are doing. <laughs> Finally met Jesus. Someone say yay. yay. And we found out this, there's no high like the most high. He's the real deal. Get married a couple years later, stay in Assembly of God Church, north coast of California, in a city called Fortuna, and was in that church on staff uh, for 13 of those 15 years we were there. And it was a season of living in Romans 12:1, where give our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. It was a season of learning how to surrender our heart, our will, how to sacrifice our time, our money, our dreams, our food. Uh, all of that for just to put Jesus number one. Now I've never, never put, I've never done it God's way, and said bummer. I wish I would not have done it God's way. God's ways are perfect in every area of life. So this is um, again in 1991, the Lord sent us out to a place, pastor uh, called Round Mountain, Nevada. Let's laugh at that. How many know God's not always logical? And what God does in our lives and where he sends us doesn't always, always make sense at first. But we're learning to live by what he's saying rather than by our emotions or what is logical, even financial or whatever. And, and so we were out there for 10 years in the middle of the desert, four hours from Vegas. Uh, and how many know God likes to send people to deserts to teach him how to repent? And one of the best definitions of repentance is to change the way you think. We basically heard this. And when I say we heard this, these are conclusions we made through prayer, the scripture, meditation. These are what we concluded God said to us. We heard Stephen Windy, I love your heart for Romans 12.1, but if you're going to see transformation, I need to move you into Romans 12.2. Where Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and excellent and perfect will of God. And, and we heard this, transformation 
doesn't come from surrendering your heart. It comes from surrendering your beliefs. We grew up in a culture thinking that our lack of breakthrough is because we hadn't given God our heart enough. I mean, with that mindset, my wife's crying out, God, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. I, I guess I, I can't give you my heart. Just take my heart. And she hears this, Wendy, I have your heart. Now I need your mind. I have your heart. Now I need your thinking. I need you to surrender your thinking to me. And we found this out, that surrendering our, uh, our beliefs is often more challenging than surrendering our heart. Because the, the beliefs we need to surrender are called strongholds. You know why they're called strongholds? Because they have a stronghold. <laughs> it kind of makes sense. Get a stronghold. <laughs> the Lord's talking to her. Hey, Wendy, can you surrender the beliefs that you're shy, inadequate, and can't speak well in front of others? Can you surrender those beliefs? <clears throat> She says, but Lord, that's who I am. And she hears this, that's not who you are, that's just who you've become. That's not who you've become. The only reason you become that because you're renewing your mind with your past experience rather than what I'm saying. Steve, can you surrender the beliefs that you're less than, inferior to other leaders, and surrender the belief that there's something uniquely wrong with you? <laughs> but Lord, those feel so true. Doesn't that mean they are true if, they, if it feels that true? He said, no. Feelings don't validate truth. They only validate what you believe to be true. Feelings don't validate truth. They only validate what you believe to be true. You want a different emotion? Get a different belief. So he showed us John 8.32 where it says the truth will make you free. So every area of my life where I believe truth in, I get free. Every area of my life where I believe lies, I'm not free. I get saved by believing in Jesus. I get free by believing like Jesus. Let me say that again. I get saved by believing in Jesus. I get free by believing like Jesus. So the battle is really between lies and truth. And uh, I'm not a really a devil-focused Christian or behavior-focused Christian, even though those two need to be addressed. I'm not saying they don't be, but that's not my greatest focus. I'm a Jesus-focused Christian and a belief-focused Christian. Because if I can believe truth, I'm free. And if I'm free, it sounds like the devil's not bugging me very much. Just a thought. Even to put on the full armor of God in Ephesians 6, you've got to believe something to get those pieces on. They don't just fly on you automatically. So then the question is, how do we know if we're believing a lie? And we, we talked about this this weekend. Because the nature of deception is, is you don't know you're deceived. 
And once you know you're deceived, you're no longer deceived. So I got this indicator. I was reading a book by a man named Francis Frangipan called The Three Battlegrounds. And, and, and one of the battlegrounds is the mind. And he said this. It changed my life. He said, every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope. Say glisten with hope. Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie, and that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. <laughs> Every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie, and that area is a stronghold of the devil in your life. I read that. I close the book. I become instantly discouraged. ha. <laughs> Because I'm trying to find one area where I got hope. <laughs> Let alone glistening hope. Couldn't find one. I mean, you talk about a shame time. Let's just laugh at these signs that were telling me I was unsuccessful. I had a non-successful car. <laughs> I had a non-successful uh, salary and bank account. Ha <laughs> ha. Let's give an extra laugh on that one. Ha <laughs> ha. My hair was starting to get non-successful. <laughs> I had a non-successful church size. Ha-ha. Oh, that's, yeah, you can laugh at that too. Ha-ha. And it was in that season, the Lord says, Steve, I want you to make your lack of hope a bigger problem or a bigger enemy to you than any other thing in your life. And I want you to see what happens. I want you to point your spiritual warfare guns at your lack of hope. And the, the beliefs that are creating it. Romans 15, 13 basically says, and you can look it up later. It says, basically says this. Now may the God of hope fill you in believing. I get, the moment I believe truth is the moment I get filled by the God of hope. So, increasing hope is the evidence of renewing my mind with truth instead of lies. Decreasing hope is the evidence of renewing my mind with lies instead of truth. So, my hope level is the indicator of whether I'm believing lies or truth. How do I know I'm believing a lie? In any area of my life where I don't have great hope in, I'm believing a lie. That changed my life. I may not know what the lie is, but there's a lie there. Because truth will lead to hope. We serve the God of all hope. And we heard this, your, Stephen Wendy, your hopelessness about a problem is a bigger problem than the problem. Your hopelessness about what's going on in your nation is a bigger problem than what's going on in your nation. Or put it this way, your lack of glistening hope for what's going on in your nation is a bigger problem. Your lack of glistening hope about your finances is a bigger problem than anything going on in your finances. Your lack of great hope about that family member is a bigger problem than anything going on in that family member. This is what we're hearing. And this just broke the victim mindset off us. And when we actually get this, because our, our whole ministry is called Igniting Hope. That's our assignment. 
to ignite hope because there's no hopeless circumstances. There's just people who do not have hope. There's no hopeless circumstances. We, we heard this, Steve and Wendy, I give you permission to be hopeless about anything I'm hopeless about. <laughs> and never once have we said, God, are you hopeless about that? Never once have we heard that, yes, I am. <clears throat> We're stumped here in heaven. There's no solution. There, there's no plan that we can come up with. <clears throat> so, and this whole, this whole thing, and just I just say thank you, Father, for right now there being a, um, just like a, a spiritual impartation to you. Some of you, are, yeah, you're just you're, you're you're battling multiple hopeless, seemingly hopeless situations, and 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 I want to tell you something that the Lord is with you. The Lord is going to um, bring revelation of truth that's going to increase your hope level, which is going to increase your influence. Because our hope level determines our influence level. It's very difficult to influence that which we do not have hope for, whether it's ourselves, people. I believe after love, hope is the most powerful leadership, influential quality there is. And this is a room full of influencers. This is a room full of influencers going to the next level. And, and, and it's this hope piece. And, it, and I found this out, that there's never been a convenient time in all my Christian life to be radically optimistic. There's always been a reason why I should be pessimistic about the future. And my favorite definition of hope is that hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present. And I have the power to help make it so. Hope is the belief that the future will be better than the present, and I have the power to help make it. So once I lose hope, I lose vision. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision. Leaders are people of vision and hope. I don't know how God's going to do it, but he's going to do it. My future is as bright as the promises of God. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope for he who promised is faithful. And then just one more little um, tool that I want to give you, and then my team's going to help me wrap this up. I got, I, when I first found out that, man, my beliefs were the problem, that was discouraging because I had good doctrine, Bible doctrine, but I had bad beliefs. And then I said, man, my beliefs are the only thing that's going to block me. And then the Lord gave me this key about laughing at lies, laughing at the lies that are creating my lack of hope. Because laughter is one of the spiritual weapons. Because once we're able to laugh at the lies, creating our lack of hope, it starts to disempower those lies. Psalm 2, 4 says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. How many of you want to be more like God? Yeah, thank you for those hands. I'm setting you up. <laughs> and he's laughing at what his enemies are saying and planning. And this is a joy piece. This is one of the keys the Lord gave me. Again, I experiment. I experimented with this. It's kind of fun just to laugh at the lies. 
So can I do this with you? Just give you uh, some lies that have created and still at times want to cause me to think things are hopeless. You guys good? Yeah, okay. Here we go. Why don't you just warm up your laugher real fast? Ha uh-huh. All right, thank you. Don't, anyone to, don't want anyone to laugh suddenly and pull a laugh muscle. <laughs> I got to get them warm. Although it's already pretty warm here in Phoenix, so it's, you guys uh, have problems with some other places. All right, let's just laugh at this lie. Let's just have some fun here. God loves you, but he does not like you. Ha-ha. <laughs> Here's one of his all-time favorite lies. You are a failure. Ha-ha. <laughs> Here's a lie we all hear. Things are only going to get worse. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> Things are so bad in America, even God doesn't know what to do. it's powerful because to laugh we have to let go of something because we can't hold on hold on to pessimism unworthiness uh, victim mindset and laugh at the same time And there's some people letting go of some stuff. <laughs> I, 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 I like this. Let's laugh at this. This is a little bit of a longer lie, so just try to exercise self-control until I'm done with the lie before you laugh. And I'm concerned about some people in the back, <laughs> whether they'll be able to do that. Concerned. Here we go. Because of the coronavirus, political unrest, a massive uncertainty for the future. You have already reached the heights of your lifetime influence, and now your influence is just going to decline. <laughs> and when we actually put language to the beliefs that create our lack of hope, we say, yeah, what? why, why do I not have hope? Well, how about this one? Your, your prayers for your family are not working. Mm-hmm. How about this one? This is <laughs> some of these are painful. Man. <sighs> You've made too many mistakes, and now God is just—he's finished with you, and the best you can hope for is just to survive. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Father, thanks just for beliefs. Thank you for hope. Thank you for what you're doing. You guys receive this word? If you receive it, say, I receive it. I'll never be the same again. Something happened in me this morning. It was supernatural. Shame is broken off of my life. I've got the Tigger anointing. I got... And I am a person of abounding hope. 
and I'm going to influence nations. Amen. Give the Lord a shout. Team, why don't you come on up? Give microphone. Yeah, give him another shout. Someone just say, freedom! Woo! Yay! All right, we got Robert. We got Charlotte. Uh, they got saved in a John Maxwell meeting, 2016, Orlando, Florida. God's radically transformed their lives, their family, their two children are also Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. And I am just so thrilled that they are on this trip. And those of you who have partaken of the weekend understand. And I ask them each to pray and to give you this church, a Bible verse or a passage that they believe that is for this house, and then just release something connected to that. Robert, everybody say hi, Robert. Thank you, Steve. Uh, good morning. God morning. Um, I'm, yeah, when I was praying, I, I believe we're, we're, we're talking, Steve, to a, a group of modern-day Nehemiahs. Modern day Nehemiah's, the joy of the Lord is one of your strengths, one of your many strengths. Um, so from, from the teenagers up to the seniors, you're, you're rebuilding, you're rebuilding families, maybe your own are helping others rebuild, you're rebuilding your church, you're rebuilding the businesses that you're working in, you're helping rebuild the schools and the universities, you're helping rebuild the city, you're helping rebuild your country, and ultimately, you're influencing the nations. And, and as, you, as you do that, I want you to ponder this. Um, you know, we have goals to reach. I think you've got a goal for your, for, for the, I see 500K there, right? 500K there. How about this? Instead of saying, are you ready for this? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Instead of saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? How about saying, how far can we go? How about that? How about that? Because you are finely tuned car engines. You are finely tuned car engines. You can go far, further than you think you can. So I want, wow. you, to, I want you to start thinking about, not are we there yet? Are we there, with, are we there yet with our, with our men's group? Are we there yet with the food bank? A project. No, how far can we go with this? We serve a supernatural God. Yes. Amen. So why should we not have supernatural goals? I want you not just to 10x your your projects that you're working on. I want you to 100x them. Whoa. Yeah. What do you think about that, Steve? I like it. You guys received that? Powerful. Thank you, Steve. Yep. Charlotte? Everybody say hi, Charlotte. Hi, hello. Hi, everyone. It's an honor to be here. I love this church, Word of Life Church, as I pray into this church and also everyone that's watching. Um, I see a vineyard, and I want to release that over you. A portion of the scripture is on John 15. Yeah, you can receive it in your spirit. I just want to quickly uh, just share that with you first, and I'm going to uh, share with you what the Lord has uh, spoken about the church. Um, Jesus said, Jesus said that, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. 
<laughs> Apart from me, you can do nothing. Everybody say, do nothing. Do nothing. Yeah. And then he moved on to say, what happened if we don't remain in him? So I'm just going to share that with you. If you don't remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and wither. Such branches are picked up, thrown into fire and burned. And I love this John 15, 7. If you abide in me, say it together. If you abide in me. If you abide in me. And my word abide in you. My word abide in you. Ask whatever you wish. Ask whatever you wish. And it will be done to you. And for what? That it move on to verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you'll bear much fruit. Say it together. I bear much fruit. Showing yourself to be my disciple. Say it together. I am Jesus' disciple. Jesus yeah. Disciple. Yeah. As I, as I um, ask the Lord about this, I actually see vineyard, each one of you. Um, Jesus is your vine and you are branches. You know, vine is here to um, give you nutrition. And we are branches. Our role is just to bear fruit. It's natural. It's natural. Sometimes it may take some time for you to bear fruit. Like vine, it may take a few years. In fact, it's the fact that it takes three to five years at least for that fruit to bear. But as long as our branch, we as branch attach, abide in Jesus, with Jesus, actually bearing fruit, it's very normal, right? Say amen to that. So for you to walk in peace in the presence of God, it said in 15.7, that's you. So, and this is applied really to this church because I see this church really carry the presence of God and also grounded and rooted in the Word of God. And that two pillar is going to propel you to be exceptional, fruitful, and to be the impact for these nations. And I'm really seeing as well, Steve, that as um, I, I was just so touched when seeing um, the, the, the youth and the children just like worshiping the Lord. You know what I'm seeing? I, the Lord showed me I see children here, literally, they pray for people. They lay hand on people. People will get healed. They miracle will be released, and life will be transformed. Because this is a church of freedom. Why? Because you have these two pillars so strongly rooted. You carry the presence of God. You know the Holy Spirit, and you are surrendered and moved by the Spirit. But at the same time, the Word of God is so grounded in you. So what I'm hearing actually is not just revival. I share that at the conference. I don't only see revival. I see reformation in this church. That means that a revival is not going to start and just like stop. It's going to continue to generation. Why I see vineyard is because the tree continue to grow. And if you look down the root, actually, they're holding to each other. They are helping each other. And that's you. I see families here. I see Proverbs 31 women here. I'm releasing that over you even right now. Proverbs 33 women. All the mothers here. May you just stand. All the mothers here. All the mothers here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just want you to release, to release Proverb 31 
woman of righteousness and you are here to raising up righteous family kingdom family giants killers and the impact that you are going to continue to steward you will continue to manifest that not just within this region not just here but it's you're going to impact worldwide so amen you guys receive that give it up for robert and charlotte Hey, we got some books on the back table there. Got children's book. Uh, let's just laugh at that for kids. We got declarations, unlocking your future. Uh, got a book called Culture of Empowerment. Wendy's got some books there. We got some books in Spanish as well. What a joy to be with you. Why don't you guys stand? James, you ready? Yep. We bless you in the name of Jesus. We bless this house, every person here this morning, Lord, with what's happened through each part of the meeting, just take this and thank you that it's going to be multiplied in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give Steve and his team a hand. Amen. So many, so many nuggets. I, I learned this thing about the Tigger anointing. Uh, I kind of resemble that Tigger anointing thing, so I like that. <laughs> thank you for that. Can we have our prayer team come up now? So if Steve talked about if not every area of your life is not glistening with hope, you believe in a lie. So if that's you come up for prayer. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come up. We'd love to pray for you. If it's your birthday last week, come and get your gift, anniversary. We'd love to pray for you. Just want to pray a blessing of you. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May God give you peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody have a good week. There's books back there. Say hi to the team. We thank you guys for coming.